Hello, hello. This is an extra bonus sneak peek, super special episode of Art in the Podcast, um, where ahead of our upcoming Art Car Boot Fair viral edition, I chat to both Charlotte McMillan, aka The Collagist, and Lucy Bryant, aka House of Lucy, who've both contributed some beautiful artwork for our virtual stall. Um, if you haven't seen already, you can check out all the artwork that we have on show, including eight prints by Charlotte and three prints and four figures by Lucy. Um, they are both so cool and so talented, and this podcast will give you a deeper understanding of all the artwork included um, from the artist's mouths. So firstly, I speak to Charlotte McMillan. Um, a multidisciplinary artist with a preference for using thread and fabric, but not excluding paint, paper, glue, yarn and digital media. Having been a very successful freelance photographer for 22 years, she left London to live in Somerset with her family and concentrated on creating wearable art. Self-taught on a vintage Cornley chain stitcher and Irish embroidery machines, Charlotte creates subversively stitched outfits for performers such as Boy George, Coldplay and John Grant, as well as spending her time in her studio, messing up photos and found objects with more thread and fabric. Sorry. <laughs> I to get it working and it didn't work. Anyway, oh, no. We got there in the end. It's fine. Oh yeah, I haven't seen you for years. Oh yeah, I'm good, thank you. Been a bit of a strange time, really, hasn't it? Um, but I've moved down to the sea now, though, which has just been absolutely lovely. Um, but yeah, pretty much like everybody, been in a bit of a cloud, really, um, <laughs> um, and happy to be emerging. So. What about you? Have you managed to sort of keep creating and making art? Have, you know, your two kids, your dog, you've got a lot on. Um, especially yeah. at school. It's funny, they've been back at school for two days and both of us are exhausted. Mm. And I think it's just realising that for six months we've been with them all the time. And I need that sort of brain space. I think it's this impossibility, this expectation that women put on themselves that they can do everything all the time is, is I mean, amazing if you can, but personally, I don't know many women who can. And I think, yeah. um, especially being creative, it doesn't start at nine and finishes at five. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like I can be thinking about something at really odd times. And I feel like I'm cheating uh, time with my kids if I'm trying to do that at the same time um, so yeah I mean I did I tried a little kind of silly sideline of like making jewelry well on lockdown just to kind of keep myself busy and I found a guy who um, has a workshop out the back of our garden and he had a huge he has a huge laser cutter so that was quite fun to use but no, the last two days I've got right back into the embroidery and designing things and I was just like, oh, thank God. I'm yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, because yeah, when I first met you, you were photographer predominantly. Yes. Um, and it's just been so exciting um, watching kind of from a distance, you know, over social media under your pseudonym, The Collagist, and just seeing just how prolific and kind of across mediums you are, you know, with the embroidery and the um, even the kind of acrylic um, uh, brooches that you make. And it's just it's it's really, really cool to see how did you come to the embroidery because I know now you've done Boy George and Coldplay and John Grant how did you um how did you come to that medium well um what's always I've always loved about the history of embroidery certainly the history of European embroidery um is that it was always an art form that young ladies were taught and it was a way to sort of keep them occupied mm. and I delved deeper into this you know we've all seen the um the the samplers in in museums of you know eight-year-old girls have sewn the alphabet in cross stitch and all of that yeah. but I came across this amazing story and I cannot find it again at the moment but I will find it at some point because I can't directly quote where it's from but there was this story I read about, um, I would, I, I like to say this is sort of late 18th century, this woman took in a young girl to be a housemaid and um, the housemaid was illiterate. So she, um, this lady taught her to read and write and mm -hmm. to encourage her reading and writing and to keep her busy as well as helping out around the house. She got her to sew her life story into fabric mm -hmm. and through this story she told about how she'd been physically abused by the man who'd previously looked after her at the previous house and it really kind of I was just completely flabbergasted reading this story because I thought wow what an incredible way to express yourself at a time when you know it wasn't it wasn't the norm for young girls, especially young girls who'd experienced trauma to express themselves. And through this relationship of this woman employing this younger girl, this housemaid, she got her to sort of do a, a form of art therapy and talk about what had happened to her. And not only taught her that, like helped her to express herself, but helped her to read and write. And, and this exists uh, in a museum somewhere. Again, I wish at the top of my head, I could remember where it is. But it just stuck with me. So I went down this whole rabbit hole of women and sewing and expression. And I came across another story of a woman who'd been in a, a mental um, asylum. And I think this was in, um, again, I think this was in the late 19th century. And she had written, her, sewn her story into a straitjacket. And it was this extraordinary piece of uh, material that, a lot of it didn't make sense, but again, it was a form of expression. And the idea of like piercing a bit of fabric with a thread and then making a permanent mark somehow resonated more with me than actually applying paint on canvas. It was like actually you're changing the fabric of something by putting another bit of thread into it. And so I think I've always stuck with that ever since reading those two stories and thinking actually, there's this incredible history of women and sewing and women and expression um, in art. Yeah. And I think um, that's perhaps why I've got into this whole project I did recently with the Artemisia Gentileschi, because 
for me again it was another experience of reading about this young artist who'd experienced this horrific rape of her by her art teacher and she tried to um take him to court and she was even had her thumbs and thumb screws to try and prove that what she was telling was true you know she was sort of tortured to tell if she was um speaking her truth or not and um he was he was let off and in those days she you know she would have in order to get her honor back she she could have married him but he refused to acknowledge anything happened to her and um she then became this very prolific painter and, and now is arguably one of the most important baroque painters around but in all her paintings there's a really visceral expression on the women's faces that she paints and um, in even one of them there is um, this, this incredible painting of these two women holding a man down and cutting his head off and this sort of look of absolute defiance and fury on their face you, you, you just don't see that with other artworks at the time you're so used to seeing paintings of women looking genteel and beautiful yeah, so yeah. in a funny sort of way they've all kind of fed into each other is this thing of being a woman and expressing yourself and trying to figure out what it means and how you can do that by by saying something about yourself and your life mm. um, through your medium um, and 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 be true to it so yeah, yeah. absolutely um, and eight of these fabulous prints are obviously included in our art club boot fair um viral edition um mm. and it's wonderful to hear kind of what drew you to her paintings um but i'm also curious what was behind your sort of in uh, contemporary interpretation of these paintings you know the extreme close-up and the particular way that you've chosen to render it um, um yeah what was kind of behind that process um, well, I, I wanted to just isolate the women's faces just purely for the fact that I found them fascinating and these expressions were so, well, modern looking, really. Um, and that by isolating them from the rest of the painting, it's giving it um, a slightly abstracted viewpoint. Um, but the, the, the way that I did it was leaning more on my um, history with photography and retouching and... Um, printing and so separating the colors to something called a color half tone where you separate them into cyan magenta yellow and black and you can by the way you arrange these colors on paper um, as dots the eye reads it as a shape or um, a shade or a tone yeah. and so I, I found it quite interesting as a as a method just to really kind of graphically isolate what what the women are doing in those paintings and the idea of when you go close up to it because they become dots of color but when you walk further away and you see it from a distance you it emerges before your eyes and um mm -hmm. i feel in a funny sort of way that's kind of what happened to artemisia's paintings is that you know over time they've emerged again and they've come back to to us as as bodies of work that have so much to say and I think I mean without detracting from her brilliant painting it's more of an analysis of just her 
displacement of color on 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 the canvas mm. and yeah so it, again it's another thing of sort of marrying lots of different mediums that i've learned over the years yeah yeah well the prints are absolutely beautiful and um we've already had so much excitement um about them already coming through social media um and everything um and thank you so much for giving your time up to chat to me today for the podcast um, i know that time is definitely of the essence now that um the school term has come back around thankfully um and i hope you find um some more calm and time for yourself <laughs> this week thank you that's great <laughs> all right thanks very much charlotte thanks rosa i'll speak to you soon take yes. care bye. 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 that was the lovely charlotte mcmillan there how brilliant is she um you can find charlotte on instagram at underscore the collagist sorry at underscore the underscore collagist underscore um, and take a look at our Artemisia series um, that we will be selling at Art Kaboot Fair on the 20th of September at artonapostcard.com. Now on to our next Art Kaboot Fair artist, Lucy Bryant. Um, have you ever looked at a constable painting and felt like it was a million years away from our modern world? Looking into one of Lucy's works, this feeling is exemplified. Is that an easy jet plane gliding through a 15th century sunset? And what's that shell oil truck doing in the middle of a 19th century pastoral scene? Responding to contemporary culture, Bryant's art subverts the everyday and the banal, always striving to disrupt the ordinary and create something entirely new. Bryant's work is brilliantly humorous and refreshing, and leaves us to ponder the true character of art in the 21st century. Lucy applies the same principle to her ceramics. She takes chintzy kitsch figurines and turns them into something completely new. A small boy sitting on a countryside fence becomes urban in his Nike hoodie, whilst a Regency gentleman takes a slurp of his giant strawberry frappuccino. Or in the case of Art Car Boot Fair, a Regency couple play with rude playing cards and read Fifty Shades of Grey. Take a listen to Lucy describing her love of the kitsch and the nostalgic, as well as her varied artistic process. Hello there, Lucy. Hello, can you hear me all right? Yes, I've got you perfectly, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Just doing um, a bit of painting. Um, and I'm in good health. Hey, that's good to hear. Um, what paintings are you working on today? Oh, actually, I'm painting. Um, it's a one of my ceramic figurines. So it's it's a it's an old-fashioned clock that I got in an antique shop, and it's too dear. So it's really kitsch and really cute. And I'm putting gimp masks on their heads. <laughs> Great. Sounds <laughs> terrific. <laughs> I've had so much fun looking through your um, your work on your website um, and also, you know, knowing the cards that you've handed in to us. The, um, was it the Amazon truck going through? Was it a constable painting? Um, I think it might have been actually, yes. Yeah. Yeah, quite um, a lot of them all. <laughs> it's so fun because, you know, when you first look at them, it does take you a minute before they sort of like, jump out at you are done so well that they sort of it takes 
you know, it's, it sinks in after maybe a couple of seconds of looking at it. And then just this really contemporary reference jumps out at you. It's such a strange and uh, wonderful experience. Where, where does it all come from? When did you start um, juxtaposing these old kind of images with, uh, with um, the contemporary references like Amazon or Selfridges or Instagram? Do you know what? It was probably about 10 years ago I did the first one because I was a graphic designer on, um, on magazines and I used to freelance. Um, and I won't say which title, but there was, weirdly, there were quite a lot of designers. So that meant that there was some, there was some downtime. And um, rather than just sit and kind of look at the internet and go on the Daily Mail sidebar of shame, I, I thought, well, I can do something creative while I sit here. So um, I started looking at pictures like um, there was a Renoir painting of a woman standing at a, a bar looking really fed up. And I put, because um, she's standing in front of this big mirror, and I put pole dancers uh, and then bottles of WKD on the bar. So it looked like she was just working in this, this, uh, this strip club. And then um, I took, um, there's another painting called, I think it's called The Toilet of Venus, and it hangs in the National Portrait Gallery, or the wow. National Gallery. And um, I turned her into Kim Kardashian. So I actually put Kim's face on her face, because again, she's looking in the mirror, and then gave her a, a giant bum <laughs> and um, made the Cupid that's holding the mirror up into, into Northwest, who was um, only three at the time, I think. Mm. That must have been actually, it wasn't, it wasn't quite 10 years ago, but um, actually North was maybe two. So I did that, and it was only uh, some time later that I realised Banksy had done something similar with the same painting, yeah. um, which is kind of like, oh, I, but I, I, I didn't know that he'd, um, he'd, he'd done one as well. He'd given his lady like a, um, a nose job. So that was kind of the start of it. And then I found myself just, if I had any spare time, just looking at paintings. And this is all done digitally as well. So all done in Photoshop. Um, but then it progressed to finding physical pictures in antique shops and junk shops and actually collaging physically 3D onto those collages and painting bits in myself, which then progressed onto the ceramic figurines, which I kind of applied the same principle to. So I always see something that shouldn't really be there and I have to kind of add it in. It's like this compulsion. And the first, the first figurine I did actually found um, a lady in an Emmaus charity shop and she had her hands up in front of her face and I just thought she needs to have a burger, even though I'm vegan. It was just like she had to have this burger. So, um, so I actually taught myself how to create miniature things using polymer clay uh, on YouTube. So like, how, to, you know, how to make a miniature polymer clay burger, polymer, everything. I'm always polymer clay pizza, polymer clay. And then I literally make these tiny, tiny bits of food, which you then bake in the oven. Um, but because these figurines are ceramic, they're good to go in the oven. So, you know, just, right. I just went from there really. And now I just, I spent all my time searching out pictures, paintings, figurines, anything that I can just add, add the, the, the Lucy touch to. Yeah, yeah. So you've done four figurines for us for um, Art Coboot Fair in yes. total, um, which are absolutely amazing. I love them so much. Mm -hmm. um, and in particular, one does stand out to me, which is the miniature, 
wine bottle, miniature roses, miniature wine glass. And then is there a miniature copy of Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. So there is a story behind this one. Um, right. Because most of these I've, I've done sort of during lockdown and I, I really want my work to be relatable and to get people sort of identifying with it and resonating with it. So I just thought of all the couples that maybe things have fallen a little bit by the wayside during lockdown when they've been stuck at home with each other and they've got kids to to look after and work to juggle so this couple are just sort of trying to relight the sort of the flame of their of their love life so they've got cards and actually on the cards they're old um and these old kind of saucy playing cards um that they used to have in the 70s of kind of topless ladies um so i made these tiny tiny cards and then yeah we've got her 50 shades for a bit of inspiration so the hope is that they'll you know they'll sort of renew a bit of passion for each other oh <laughs> that's definitely taken on a whole new meaning for me now i love that. <laughs> um and where do you find that they're sort of they are you mentioned the word kitsch they are those sort of kitschy type um they're very sort of English looking to me. They very much remind me of like, you know, I think my auntie Joan collects little figures mm. like this and stuff like that. So where do you pick them up and kind of, yeah, what drew you to these, to these figures in particular? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they're very English or they are, oh, they're so sort of classic and traditional, but also um, like when I was growing up, my, my parents were quite hippie-ish and, um, just had sort of bits of green and common wire hanging around and and wall hangings so we didn't have these in my house and I think that's partly why I'm quite fascinated by them I just find them so so adorable and interesting and they all seem to have their own story and yeah. if they don't and I make one up for them anyway um but it's a mixture of antique shops junk shops um some charity shops if I'm lucky and I just, I can't walk past a shop like that without popping in. It, I just, I have to, I have to always stick my head around the door just in case they've got something. Mm. Um, and in fact, last week I went past my local um, scope and they had fantastic couple sitting down at a table, not dissimilar to the date night one, um, mm. which I've just um, given them sports direct mugs of tea. And that was like, it was a really, really good find. So yeah, kind of everywhere. But yeah, I just, I just, there's something about them that just kind of touches me. I don't know quite why. They make me feel nostalgic. And maybe that is for the, you know, the sort of older relatives that I had yeah. that did have them on the mantelpiece and in cabinets. Like they were so proud. They were so proud of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, my auntie Joan, she used to have meerkats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These little meerkat, kind of ceramic porcelain meerkats, literally all the way around her house in different oh. costumes, beef eaters, you know, the karate <laughs> Just so, yes, and she loved them. She loved them loads. And yeah, there is a kind of nostalgia thing to them. And I think what's really interesting in hearing you speak is normally when, um, you know, people take that, it's quite a kind of a postmodern punk approach, isn't it? Sort of like taking something old and sort of like, um, there's a, generally kind of like a bit of an irony at like subverting and juxtaposing the new with the old um but what's really lovely about hearing you speak about them is that you actually just how much care and love you have for the figures and that 
it sounds like to me actually for you am I right in saying that it's more sort of giving them a new lease of life giving them <laughs> giving them chance to exist in this world as much as they did in the world that they're from you know, absolutely the 70s. Oh, 100% again hit the nail on the head because I think in the last few years they've really they've really fallen out of fashion um which is why this that you know I'm, I'm able to pick them up at the places I can and now I'm altering them and giving them this this new life they've they've now you know people have started to collect them which makes me really happy because you know then they are being they're being loved again which yeah. is uh, which is wonderful yeah absolutely yeah and I'm so chuffed to be part of the art art car boot fair this year it's something I've kind of wanted to be part of for, for a long time now so thanks to you guys I'm able to to get my my foot in the boot um <laughs> and then to be alongside Charlotte as well is great because I think our work really complements each other so um you know when this is all over then um, I'll be able to catch up with her for a drink I think <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, well, thanks so much for giving up some time to chat with me this evening. Really excited to see what comes next. Well, well me too. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. Thanks for, um, for the chat. It's been, it's been really nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Take care, Lucy. And you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this extra special extra bonanza extra bonus special of art on a podcast keep an eye on our website artonapostcard.com for more details and view the artwork follow us at art on a postcard and join our mailing list for updates see you on the 20th of september <laughs>